Hello everyone, this is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church, and it is our privilege to come to you today on this beautiful Sunday morning in order to preach the gospel of Christ and the good news, the good news of Jesus. Uh, we are back into our routine of uh, services at First Christian Church. We're meeting in the Family Life Center. Of course, we're, we're requesting folk, if possible, to wear masks and to social distance, and that makes the worship service a little bit different, but it has been a real blessing for the last month for us to be back into the fellowship. Of course, we're live streaming all of those services on Facebook, and they're also logged on our website, FCCCovington.com, and you would be uh, most welcome to go to the website and listen and watch uh, any of those services. But uh, we we just want to uh, reach out to our members at First Christian and also to the entire community uh, in these times, uh, turbulent times that we live in. You know, uh, the world is unsteady, um, both at home and abroad. There's There are big question marks that don't seem to have answers. Um, We've been struggling, haven't we, with this COVID-19 pandemic going on. Uh, There's a lot of uh, unsteadiness, a lot of uh, troubled, fearful um, people. Uh, There's there's an old play called Green Pastures that uh, came to my mind. Uh, In that play, uh, the angel of the Lord returns to heaven after surveying the conditions down on earth, and he says, Lord... Everything nailed down is coming loose. And, you know, that sort of describes uh, what's going on right now in our lives and in our world and in our nation. Everything that had been nailed down is coming loose. Uh, The foundations are shaken. And there aren't that many foundations that seem to be holding up. So uh, last week... Uh, we began a uh, series of messages from 2 Corinthians because in this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he is very open with the truth about his life, his sufferings, the conditions that he had to face, his vulnerabilities. He really opens himself up, and that causes us to be able to relate to this great missionary, this great preacher. Um, So we want to take some lessons from that. I'd like for you to go to 2 Corinthians if you have your Bibles, and you can read along with some of these great verses. Uh, In chapters 3 through 5 of 2 Corinthians, Paul repeatedly uses words like confident and competent and bold. Uh, These words remind us that when the world's foundations are crumbling, We have a solid rock upon which we can build our lives, and that rock is Jesus. We sing songs like, in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure. Be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And we love the hymn, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, as the Apostle Paul talks about this confidence that we can have as Christians, he says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And I think that 
that can be the key statement for a lot of Christians today. We have such a hope, and that hope is Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And because we have this hope, we can be also very bold. So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and let's get started here. And what I'd like to emphasize from this passage is that we need to be humble. If we want to be confident during these uncertain times, we need to be humble so that we can put our trust in God and not in ourselves. And that's the first thing we want to emphasize here, that our confidence comes from trusting Christ and not ourselves for our daily strength. Paul trusted in the Lord completely. Now, he starts out with this chapter 3 by saying, or asking the questions, are, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? <clears throat> Do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? And he goes on to say, no, we don't need a letter of recommendation because you are our letter. You're the living proof that we are who we say we are. <clears throat> you know, in those days... In that first century, uh, travelers carried letters of recommendation from famous people or credible people, and it gave them instant credibility. They didn't have things like credit cards or driver's licenses or social security numbers. So Paul says, I don't need an endorsement letter around you because your changed lives are proof that the Lord has been working in my ministry and my preaching. And you know, <clears throat> I hope the same thing can be said about my ministry that the congregations that I have served are living proof that I have preached the gospel, that I've been true <clears throat> to my calling. Now, we drop down to verses 4 and 5, and we see this idea of trusting in Christ and not ourselves. He says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Two very important words here. He says in the beginning, such confidence we have through Christ. And that word confidence is translated trust in the King James Version. In other places, it's persuasion, assurance. And, and you know, we need to have assurance in Christ. <clears throat> but we can't have a whole lot of assurance in ourselves because we're weak and we're sinful. And he goes on to say in verse 5, I, I, I'm not competent in myself. I can't claim anything for myself but my competence, my sufficiency. This is what the word means. Uh, the word means rendered fit. And Paul says, spiritually speaking, if I have any fitness about myself, it's not in me, it's in Christ, it's in God. So, you know, the world teaches us to gain competence <clears throat> by trusting in ourselves, <clears throat> We hear a lot today about <clears throat> the importance of building up our self-esteem. And you'll hear the challenges. Believe in yourself. Trust your instincts. You can do anything you set your mind to. Uh, you hear that a lot in graduation uh, speeches, you know, to like the seniors, uh, those who are graduating from high school or college. You can do anything you set your mind to do. Now, <clears throat> we want our children to have uh, reasonable self-confidence. But what Christians really should desire is that our kids have God confidence. 
you want them to dream, you want them to believe in their potential, but you also want them to be Christ followers and dependent upon him. Uh, to tell them that you, you can do anything you want to do is not true. Can you imagine uh, Shaquille O'Neal's mother encouraging him to be a jockey? How much does uh, Shaquille O'Neal weigh? 250 to over 300 pounds probably? Wouldn't make a good jockey, would he? What we need to be able to say is, I can be anything that God wants me to be. If God wants it, I'm in it. Uh, <clears throat> this is what Paul basically was talking about in 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 through 18. This is at the close of his ministry and the close of his life. He says, uh, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Now those are confident words, aren't they? But you'll notice it was not confidence in himself. It was confidence that he found in the Lord who stood beside him, gave him strength, delivered him from the lion's mouth. You think he was thinking about the story of Daniel in the Old Testament there? Of course he was. We need to trust uh, in the Lord. We need to trust Christ, not ourselves, for our daily strength. Uh, <clears throat> now, that takes humility. And that, that's why I wanted to emphasize humility this morning. Uh, to trust Christ and not ourselves takes humility because we have to admit that we are inadequate. You know, when you consider the Christian life, it has so many paradoxes. The, the Bible says we die in order to live, and we give in order to receive. We lose ourselves to find life. We surrender in order to experience victory. And then there's the one in 1 Peter 5, 6, we humble ourselves in order to be exalted. Peter says there, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may exalt you in due time. So we trust God completely. And in that trust, we find confidence for these unsteady times in which we live. Now, there's something else about this confidence that we have as Christians in uncertain times, and that is that it comes from relying on grace and not works of the law for our eternal salvation. In verse 6 of chapter 3, Paul says, He, the Lord, made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. <clears throat> for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, uh, we, we know that uh, the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Old Covenant, <clears throat> basically doomed people because it demanded perfection from them, and because they weren't perfect and they couldn't obey every law perfectly, they were, they were doomed to die. Um, Jerry Seinfeld 
uh, once said that he saw a list of man's greatest fears and the fear of death was listed third. And he said, do you know what the number one fear was? It, it was the fear of speaking in public. And Seinfeld said, I don't believe that. <clears throat> if that's true, then that means that the average funeral, most people would rather be the corpse than the person given the eulogy. Now, that's humorous, but I don't believe it's true either. It, it, it's very apparent that the Bible uh, also says that the fear of death deep down is the number one fear that people have. And you see, the Ten Commandments, the, the Old Covenant, kind of catered to that fear. Uh, Billy Graham, great evangelist who has now gone on to glory, uh, there is a book uh, entitled The Preacher and the Presidents, and, and the book talks about the relationship that Billy Graham had with a lot of the presidents here in the United States. And in the book, he stated that he probably spent more time with President Lyndon Johnson than any other president because Johnson was terrified of dying. Well, that sort of fits the mold because in Hebrews 2.15, the Bible says that people are held in slavery by their fear of death. You see, the world perceives that when we die, God's going to judge us by his law, by our works, our obedience. And the result of that is that we're totally uncertain because when we think about our obedience, when we think about our works, we realize that we have fallen way short of what God expected. There wasn't one Jew that could obey perfectly the law. Jesus obeyed it perfectly, but he was the only one. You see, the Christian should be confident in death because we don't rely on the law and the works of the law for our salvation. We rely upon grace, God's undeserved favor. That's what Jesus died on the cross to give us, wasn't it? Grace. Um, and therefore, we can have hope in death rather than fear. Uh, Alexander Campbell, one of the forebears of the Restoration Movement, uh, of which the Christian churches and the churches of Christ are a part. Uh, Alexander Campbell was a great debater, and once he debated the agnostic, Robert Ingersoll. And in that debate, Ingersoll, Ingersoll said, I have no fear in death. And Campbell replied and said, you have no fear in death, but do you have any hope in death? And that's the question. Because when we find our confidence in the grace of God, then we don't have to worry about death. Death opens up for the Christian into a glorious eternity. Uh, so this new covenant that Paul talks about is so important. I'm thankful that I am a New Testament Christian, a new covenant Christian. Uh, Leighton Ford used to tell the story about a man who died and stood before the gatekeeper of heaven. Of course, this is not a biblical story, but it's a good example of what we're trying to say here. And uh, the gatekeeper said to the man, uh, you have to have a, a thousand points to enter God's heaven. So what good things did you do on earth? 
And the fellow responded and said, well, I was, a, I was a good Boy Scout and a good student in school, and I went to Sunday school every Sunday. The, the gatekeeper wrote all that down and said, very good, that's two points. What else? Well, by this time, the guy is gulping, and he said, well, I was always faithful to my wife, and I gave generously to, to charities. I, I tried to be honest in business. I taught my kids to be people of integrity. The gatekeeper said, very good, we'll give you two more points for that. You still need 996 more points. What else did you do? And the fellow started listing everything good that he could think of, obeying the traffic laws and being a good citizen. The gatekeeper said, I'll give you two more points for that. You still need 994 more points to enter God's heaven. What else have you done? And in desperation, the fellow said, I can't think of one other thing good I've ever done. I, I guess I'll have to throw myself on the grace and mercy of God. And the gatekeeper said, good. That's 994 more points. You can come on in. Now, the trouble with that illustration is you can't wait until you die to throw yourself on God's grace and mercy. You have to do that now. When you do, he will save you by his grace. But I'm afraid that so many people have failed to realize that they can't work their way into heaven. They, they fail to realize that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, that's grace, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. They forget that Paul says in Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 9, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can see the, the need for humility here. We, we don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve heaven, eternal life. We certainly haven't earned it. But our confidence comes from God's grace. New covenant, the glory of God that only Jesus can provide. Now, the third thing I, I want to mention is that our confidence comes from concentrating on character that Jesus gives us, not reputation for our personal fulfillment. Uh, where do you find your fulfillment in life? Do you find your fulfillment in things that you've been able to accomplish or from following the pattern of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and trying to embrace that pattern? In verse 13 of 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, We're not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Uh, and you may know that story in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses came down from Mount Sinai. The Israelites were down below, and when he came down, the Bible says his face glowed because he had the, the presence of God uh, upon his face. He had been with God <clears throat> there for 40 days, getting the law, the, the Ten Commandments. And and the Bible says the people were, were scared, and, and they saw the the face gleaming, and they said, please, please cover up your face. Uh, we're scared. Uh, 
And, and the Bible says that Moses covered up his face, but he didn't necessarily do it to please the people because he, he saw that the glory was fading away from his face, and he didn't want the people to see that. So he wore a veil so that they would think the glory was always there. Um, he pretended that the glory remained. You see, Moses was imperfect, just like you and I are. Who wants to follow a leader with diminishing glory? Moses was a little vain here, wasn't he? You know, uh, the world's glory fades with age. <clears throat> we work hard to preserve ourselves. We, we wear masks. We, we do makeovers. But that glory is fading away. Um, we live in a world where people like to wear veils. You know, we're forced to wear masks now, aren't we? But we're talking about veils, uh, a spiritual cover-up, uh, who we really are. We don't want people to see who we really are because we're depending on our reputation to get us through. And dear friend, the Lord sees you as you really are. Um, he sees you as a sinner, uh, broken, um, a, a failure in many areas. Uh, you, the, the veil won't do any good because Christ already knows who you are. Coming to Christ demands humility. And we have to admit that inside change is vital, not necessarily outside. It's who God sees us on the inside. And that's in chapter 3 and verse 18. Paul kind of wraps up this whole thing and he says, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Um, we, we, we need to face Christ as he really is. Only then can he transform us into his image, where we can truly bear his glory. The older you get into Christian life, the more attractive you should become on the inside. That's why Paul says in chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day, more and more of the glory of God. The more you humble yourself, the more confident you become because your strength for the stress of every day is not in yourself, it's in Christ. He never fails. Your hope for life after death is not in your works, but in God's grace. That's dependable. And your self-satisfaction is found not in your reputation that's fading away, but in your character that is molded from the very life of Christ. Let me ask you this morning, can you say, my strength for the stresses of every day is in Christ and not in me? I find my strength in him. Can you say my hope for life after death is in God's grace and not in my good works? Can you say that? Can you say my self-satisfaction is found in character that comes from Jesus um, that deepens every day and not in a reputation that fades? Are you a Christian? 
Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior and Lord? Have you given him control? Are you allowing him to put his glory in you? Forget about your own glory, your own reputation, your own good works, and your own talents and gifts. We have to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I need you to just take over my life. Jesus says, if anyone would be my disciple, follow me. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Would you follow Jesus today? If we can help you, if we can lead you further into God's word, uh, we'll be glad to do that. Contact us. Call us. We'd be glad to sit down with you. And we just hope that from this day on, you'll find your confidence in the Lord. Let's pray together, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for a few minutes today that we can look into the writings of the Apostle Paul and see how this confidence in uncertain times can be ours today. I pray for every person that's listening. I pray for their lives. I pray for their struggles. I pray for their insecurities and their fears that you will help them right now to put their trust in Jesus. And I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Sweet.